Lord, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for, um, man, again, just snow. I know that seems frustrating right now, Lord, but when it's 190 this summer, we will uh, miss that. Um, thank you that you brought everyone here safely. God, I pray that people's hearts would be open to what you're going to do. Um, Lord, that you have a purpose for them being here. And even the people that may don't, maybe don't want to be here, Lord, I pray that their hearts would be open to what you want to do in their lives, God, because you are good and you love them and um, you have a purpose. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't get distracted with all the things that aren't right and focus on the message, which always is, and help me to preach your word, God, uh, to preach it well, and I wouldn't get in the way, and I'll give you all the glory. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. How are you guys doing today? Well, I'm glad you guys are here. Uh, I'm really excited to be here, <clears throat> genuinely. Man, it's kind of weird. We had last week, we, we had to cancel, which doesn't happen often, but it's happened about once a year. And um, so it makes the whole New Year thing still seem new. still seems like we're still, I mean, we are in the New Year, but you get what I'm saying. It just seems like we're continuing New Year's Day, sort of. So um, <clears throat> keep wanting to start the new series, and then, I don't know, stuff happens, and then the Lord kind of moves, and I try to be obedient to that, so... I meant what I said earlier. One of the things that um, I was talking to some guys about recently, and God's been kind of telling me a couple things. One, I have a really evangelistic heart, which means I like, I always remember what it is to be in the crowd, right, and not know Jesus. So a lot of times I can like talk to the me's out there, but the church is actually for the saints, right? It's for you guys. The church is for those who know Jesus. And if you're in this room and you don't know Jesus, you're still welcome here, Right? And you're going to find, I kind of talked to you, but to the saints, man, like, you guys should not take that for granted. Like, this is for you. The Lord did this for you and brought you here to worship together. And we take that for granted. At least I do sometimes. So I'm just, I'm really excited to be here. And God still has a purpose for you. Just because this is your home church and when I say things like, hey, he has an appointment for you, right? You're here for a reason today. Before you go, well, I'm here every Sunday. Yeah, but things happen sometimes, right? You could have been sick, the tire went on your car, whatever. But you're here today because God has a purpose for you. You too, people that are here every week. But if you're a guest, God has a purpose for you too. So even if, here's a crazy thing, maybe despite all the things that you might not like, all the things trying to pull your attention, the God of the universe decided today was the day that you were going to come here. You're like, no, I decided. And he tricks you. He think, you, you think that. All right, something happened today that you responded to to be here. So I hope you're open to that. <clears throat> anyway, a couple weeks ago, um, I was having lunch with a couple friends, and we ended up on the topic, I don't remember everything, how it happened, but I was on the topic of life being hard, right? Anyone ever think life seems hard? Okay, and the rest of you aren't telling the truth. Um, and then that kind of turned to the idea of contentment. Anyone, like, ever feel like you're naturally a discontent person? Because I am, right? And, that, and that's not great, <laughs> okay? <clears throat> and um, <laughs> that's the one, like, we will, the discontent people are like, oh, I'll absolutely say that, Yeah. It turned to contentment and happiness, and then that idea sometimes, I don't know if you guys have this, AJ and I are known for this, used to, you know, when we used to have that show Real Talk that we talked about all the time, uh, the idea that you look back on life as better in the past. Life was always better back then. I do that all the time, and I, but every now and then I'll have these moments when I was like, man, I don't remember being in that going, this is awesome, Right? But that's the way I looked at it, is I always look at the past as being better. And we can look on, you know, back on life in the past as being better, even though in my case, and in the case of at least one of the guys in that, when it was AJ, one of them was AJ, uh, of like, we didn't know Jesus. So how is it that you can look back and say, man, life was so much better before we, before we knew Jesus? That can't be true, right? And I'm not talking about circumstances. I mean, circumstances change, but... Literally, that's so weird, and we were kind of talking about that. How can we look back on a life before we were alive and think that was better? And then, strangely, during a Lionheart meeting this week, Jaden knows this because he kind of brought this up. I'm saying names, dropping names. Uh, this past week, what's Lionheart? I don't know what to tell you, man. Raise your hand if you're in Lionheart. Go talk to one of those guys. Um, a similar topic came up. And it was kind of the idea, a little different, but it was the idea that God promised he'll take care of us. He promised good for us, right? Yes? 
Yes, Denise, you could tell. Yeah, you get that, right? He promised good for Don't you sneer at me. That's better. Anyway, life is good for us, but that it seems like sometimes all that can mean is really that, you know, through all the misery and unhappiness, that really what we're looking forward to is like, great, things suck, and when I die, it'll be better. Right? And, then, and it was a good question. It's like, is that really it? Now, when you first become a Christian, right, that doesn't, that's not the message. It is part of it because hell's real. Eternity's real. You can sit there and say, I don't believe. doesn't matter, right? We joke about this a lot. Gravity doesn't care if you believe either. Jump off a building, you're going to find out, right? It's the same thing. <clears throat> but that being said, when I accepted Christ, yes, there was the idea that I want to live forever. I don't want to go to hell. That's real and that's true. And if that's all it was, that would be good. But that wasn't it. That wasn't it. But that's what it, it can end up feeling like, right? The idea that, yep, be honest. Put aside your Christianese mask for a second. Yep, being a Christian sucks, but at least when we die, we'll be happy. I mean, let's be honest. A lot of times it feels like the Christian life means being sad, mopey, boring, not enjoying life except on Sundays for two hours, right? While we watch the rest of the world live life to the fullest, I have a feeling, you guys, even though we try to fight that, and it's not even a bad thing. You have good hearts, so you don't want to focus on that. But if you take a second and slow down, that is what it kind of seems like. And then we wonder, real quick, why we don't want to come to church. I don't want to go be reminded about how life is miserable and boring and sad, and I just got to wait to die, right? I'd much rather watch, I don't know, Netflix. <clears throat> and I'm not just talking about when I say it looks like the world's living life to the fullest, sin. Sin can be fun. Right? It can be. So sometimes we look, and I'm not talking about like we look at life and go, man, look at all the bad stuff they're, they're doing that's kind of good in the right context, but I want to do it because it looks fun. By the way, that's why some of you do it over and over, because you want those brief moments of happiness, because you've given up on life being anything more than that. Misery, 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 maybe a little bit of happiness, misery, misery, misery. I'm not just talking about sin, though. I'm talking about how there is a sense in Christianity, and if, if I'm alone in this, that's okay, but I doubt that I am. This is it. This is it. Now, you're good people. You're saints. You love Jesus. You're transformed. So you try not to think about that. I get that, right? You try not to think about that. And you love them enough that you're like, if that's all it is, that's enough. But you try to distract yourself, whether it's in relationships. And, you know, we, we say this a lot, but it's true. And bottles and pills and you know, all of these kinds of things sometimes, things you smoke, all these types of things that we use to try to distract us, TV, video games, whatever, because you love Jesus, weirdly. I think sometimes that's going to seem backwards. You love him enough that you don't want to sit and think about what you don't have. You don't want to sit and think about how this is it, so you try to distract yourself. I get it. So much of the Christian walk becomes what we can't do, what we don't have, and you know that's true. Kids get it more than anyone else, right? <clears throat> they do. So it becomes this thing. We talk about this a lot, the concept. Raise your hand if you've heard the concept of like a sin management. Raise your hand if you're not paying attention. Somebody's going to do it. Somebody's sarcastic. There we go. That's what I thought. <clears throat> Dave and Austin, how ironic. <clears throat> thought Gina might slide her hand up too, but she didn't. Anyway... <laughs> She's like, no, she's in the back. That was friendly. All right. Sin management, right? It's this idea that like <clears throat> the Christian life is about trying to control what I really want. Because what I really want is always bad. And so what we do is we kind of get in this cycle of that's what life is. I'm fight, 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 distract myself. I don't want to give in to this. I do bad things. I, then I try to pick, okay, well, I need to distract myself, so maybe I'll do this little bad thing so I don't do the big bad thing. You ever done that? So, and then verses like that we hear throughout Scripture become kind of twisted to match this. So these verses that, are, that I've talked about a lot, and they are powerful and they're important. Jesus said it. You want to follow me, you must carry your cross. That doesn't mean literally pick up the cross and carry it. It means, right, that was a symbol of death. And they didn't even get it yet, but they knew that the cross isn't just death, it's shame. It's going to be you look different, you stand out, because they would have criminals carry their cross sometimes, right? So everybody sees before they die, look at this person. 
So there's some shame when the world looks at it, right? The idea of the world's going to look at you and say, look at that person, and then what? You must die to self. So then we go, okay, that means that everything about me, everything I ever wanted, everything the world tells me is good, I have to hate to follow him. And that becomes hard because guess what? You are those things too. You have desires that something that it's not all or nothing. So it takes on a meaning instead of what it really means, and we'll get to that later, because what it really means is like to follow him is going to have a cost in this world. But it's better. And we have to die to self, and that means die to the things we want sometimes that aren't good for us. But it doesn't mean everything about us. And, and so instead of that, it ends up taking on this connotation, big word, right? Ends up taking this, the form of like, I've just got to drag and limp and crawl my way through life, smiling and pretending that I'm okay with this. Here's a clue to some of you in the room, and I'm not shaming you in this. Why is it that you don't like hanging out with Christians, but you're a Christian? You go to this church, and all you want to hang out with are non-Christians. Why? Two things. One, they're mopey, right? And two, there's some part of you that doesn't want to be reminded of that sometimes because it drags you back into that. This ends up sort of contradicting this idea, though, right? Now, let's, let's confuse it even more. So then you feel that. You're concerned. Oh, my goodness, i got to give up all these things. I just dragged through life. But really, that contradicts what we're told, too, which is like, hey, be joyful. Have joy. So what do we do? Suck it up and keep going. Distract ourselves for the little moments of happiness. Suck it up. Keep going. But be joyful while you're doing it. God does not lie. Listen to me. God does not lie. He isn't holding out on us. So why am I telling you that? Because they, it's not to confuse you. Carry your cross, die to self, joy. What if they're connected? What if giving up the things you think you want are actually the things that are going to bring you joy? What if the reason you don't have joy isn't because of what you're having to give up, but because of what you're not giving up? God doesn't lie and he isn't holding out on us. But here's the question. I know. I want five minutes. You're goldfish. They tell me you can't handle this. <clears throat> I really am going to do the series. You're going to be so excited. It's like, I'm going to call it 15 minutes. That's it. I'm going to sprint up here. I'm serious. I'm going to do it. I used to do that. <clears throat> do you, God does not lie. So if he says that the fruit of the spirit, fruit, that means it should happen naturally. Apple trees grow apples. Guess what Christians should grow? Joy, peace, patience. All these things, joy. We know that. So what's the problem? He isn't holding out on us. God does not lie. You're already in this room. You're a Christian, most of you. So do you believe that? Do you really believe that he doesn't lie? Then what do we do with that? What do you do with that? She is so mad at me. I'm sorry, I could hear you. No, not you, not her. Anyway, <laughs> listen, John 10, the Gospel of John, chapter 10. There's a verse that, that Jesus, one of my favorite verses, before when I first became a Christian. And this is sort of one of those verses that we can kind of gloss over and go, yeah, yeah, he's just being symbolic here. Before we go to John 10, you can start to pull it up. Let's start at verse 1. I got to set the situation up. Right before this, Jesus talks about he's healing people and he's talking about blindness. And the religious leaders come to him and say, we're not blind, are we? And he essentially says, and this, this same section is referenced in a different gospel. They give a little more detail. But the idea behind it is, if you were blind, I could help you. But because you say you can see, because you say you have no sin, because you say you're good enough on your own, I can't help you. Right after he says that to the religious leaders, these are the people that have it all together. They have the good life, nice clothes, good stuff, respect. They don't need his help. Then he says this section, John chapter 10, starting at verse 1. This is what he says. Truly, truly, I tell you, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, and if you're confused, you should be, because this comes out of nowhere, right? <clears throat> truly, truly, I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. 
The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. Keep going. The gatekeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. And it tells us this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, essentially saying, hey, I'm not lying to you. Listen, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone come, enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. That's interesting. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. It's a wild parable symbol and analogy because he flips what he is. You notice that? Throughout that he's, he's this and then he's that. So what does he say, right? Uh, he tells us a story that the sheep, right, he who doesn't enter by the gate, so imagine a pasture. If you own the pasture, you're going to walk confidently up, you're going to open the door, you're going to go in. But if someone's sneaking, right, like the Hamburglar and crawling over, Nobody, anyone know who the hamburger is? No? Okay, good. I know they haven't used him in a while. Right? Climbs over sneaky at night. He's, he's, there for, he's not there for good reasons. Right? He's a thief and a robber. This is interesting. He's just talking to the religious people. But the guy who enters by the door is the shepherd. The shepherd comes in confidently. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought them all out on his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. They know the real him. A, excuse me, a stranger will not follow and then he goes on and says, so now he's, right, he's the shepherd. Then he goes, I'm the door. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. What do we also know? They're a stranger. They're not the shepherd. He's very deep. He makes us think. But she, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. If you can go in and out, what's a couple things we can know there? A sheep can go in and out. What does that mean? Is it, uh, are they safe? You guys are trying to outthink me. You think I'm tricking you. Yeah, they have to be safe, right? Both sides are safe. As long as you go the way I tell you, you have freedom because it's all safe. You can go in, you can go out, it doesn't matter. You can go past your back in because it's safe, right? All right, parents with little kids, let's use those baby gates, right? That'll help you more. You're going to let them go out. I don't know why you would have a kitchen full of knives on the floor, but let's say they do. You're probably going to put a baby gate. You're not going to let them go in and out because you're trying to protect them. But Jesus said, if you go by me, I'm the gate. Where I am, in and out, doesn't matter where you go, you'll find pasture. It'll be okay. And then he reminds us again. Remember, the thief comes only to kill and steal and destroy. And he said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. When I first memorized this verse, when I first became a Christian, I can still quote it, not from this. The thief comes only to kill, kill and steal and destroy. I have come to give them life and give it to the full. I've come to give you life and give it to the full. Not just, not just like, hey, I'm here, here to give you some life. I'm gonna give you so much life that it's abundant, overflowing. You're gonna have more than you need. Now, I need to say a couple things. He was just talking to the religious leaders. Listen, so I want to make sure you understand context a little. Religious leaders, what were they doing? They're putting weights on people. And that's why I, there's a lot more to this analogy than what I'm going to say to this parable, but I don't, that's not the point today. So I want you to understand that what I'm telling you is not the only meaning behind it. So I want to give you a little prep about that so you can go back and look. So what he was saying is right after talking to the religious leaders, he's looking to the people and he's saying, listen, God, the father that you're looking for, right, he knows you by name. He has good for you. Other people are going to come, and they're going to come different ways, and they're going to add things, and they're going to come, and they're going to try to take from you. They're going to try to steal and kill and destroy. They don't want good for you, right? But I want good for you. Why? Because I'm not just a good teacher. I'm not just a good leader. I'm not just a good philosopher. I created you. I'm your shepherd. You know me, and I know you. They don't know you the way I do. God's law 
is good in and of itself. See, the religious leader were putting weights on people, right? They make the focus the religion. They make the focus all of the hoops you got to jump through. And even though the law originally that God gave his people was good and to protect them and to lead them, they added more and more and more. And they're putting weights on them. And so what ended up happening is the letter of the law became more important than the spirit and heart of the law. God's law, God's ways, right, what he tells us to do and not do is good. But in and of itself, it doesn't bring life. It didn't bring life then, and it doesn't, doesn't bring life now. Going to church in and of itself isn't going to lead you to joy. That's why half you fall asleep, because you don't get this. You're here for religion, so that your wife or your mom or your dad or your grandpa looks at you and says, Yay, I feel better that you're not going to hell. And you just come here dragging yourself day by day, wondering why this is all it is. Because it isn't clicking with you. The religion, hold on, the religion doesn't save you. The, 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 the reading the Bible in and of itself doesn't save you. Going to church doesn't save you. Giving doesn't save you. All of those things are good, and they're indicative of people who are believers, but they don't save you. And the reason, before I even get there, it's not in my notes, and I look around, I see people falling asleep and sad and moping and all this, is because you came to be entertained, not to find life. This is why we're in the place we are in this world, in this church. Because it's about what makes you feel alive, not what brings you life. They're not the same thing. This church has become arrogant in a way. I'll just say it. No, you, you. Because you begin to think you're special. I'm the remnant. Every church, every church, I believe, started, right, right. What happens? You think you're above this? You think because you've heard this six times you can take a nap? You think, right? But I bet you don't at work when somebody's giving you green pieces of paper. This is supposed to be a happy message. <laughs> I already won't see some of you next week. That's okay. God still loves you. Why do you keep talking over me? All right. <laughs> <laughs> they think I talked to strangers. Right? I would never do that. Here we go. God's law was good in itself, but it didn't bring life. God brought life. And what God was trying to tell his people from the beginning is when we rejected the Father in the garden, and you do it too, we have a tendency to wander away. So what he did was he gave us guardrails. He gave us pieces of bread. He said, come back to me. This is how to be close to me. And he was making some, he was trying to let them know the burden of like, even in the Old Testament, like one, don't you understand that your sin, right, leads to death? That's why the sacrifices came. He was showing them that something has to pay the price for what you're doing. You want to be holy in and of yourself. Here's all of these things you have to do. And that was hard enough. You must be set apart. You have to look different. Now these religious leaders add more onto it. And before long, the religious acts become enough. But here's the problem, right? Just like in Christianity, I can do all those things and look the part, and that's not bad. And I'm trying to talk to you deep. See, Luke, we talked about that, right? Luke and I were talking about who you're supposed to talk to, right? They say you're supposed to talk to fourth graders in the room. That's what they say in public speaking. But I think, I think you're going to understand. So I'm taking a chance here. The, the, the things that we do are good, but they're not the point. And part of the reason your faith is dead is because you become really good at doing the things that aren't the point. And then some of you become really good at not doing the things because you think they're not the point. Which, by the way, you've lost the point then. I know that's deep. God brought life, and Jesus was saying, I've come to do more than just bring you rules and laws. There's still, there's still a fence. There's still places the sheep shouldn't go, but it's for what? Is it because he wants them to be miserable? Protection. Don't fall off a cliff. Sheep are dumb, right? We're dumb sometimes. He says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Abundant means plenty, more than enough. Having it to the full, my favorite way to say it, is having a cup 
It's filled over and over, and it's just flowing over. Do you feel that way? If you don't feel that way, what's going on? I don't feel that way all the time. Is it God or is it us? Now, we can all say that because I think you're humble people and you love God, but then we still got to figure out where the disconnect is. And by the way, there's some people, I said I was going to do this, and I'm not. Ah, never mind. I'm not going to say it. <clears throat> Habit to the full overflowing. It definitely is referring to the idea of eternal life. What he was saying is like, I've come to give you eternal life. And guys, let me make something very clear. Eternity is the most important thing. This life is very brief. It's very brief. It's funny that the older you get, or Lord forbid, health issues you get, the more aware you become of the importance of eternity. So that is, there's no doubt that he's referencing eternal life here, and we need to have an eternal mindset. However, however, that isn't all he's saying. He would have said that. So Jesus himself said, I have come to give you life. But not just life, I've come to give it to you abundantly. I want to give you life more than anyone else can give you. Do you feel that way? Do you guys? If you did, then why is it so hard to walk like a Christian at school? I'm not, I, I know, I get it. Why is it so hard? By the way, the adults, they act like they're better than you. They ain't no better. They do the same thing at work, right? <clears throat> All right, stay with me. So, so now we have this promise from God, from Jesus, and that's why I referenced it. All of that to set up John 10. The thief comes only to kill and seal and destroy. Who's the thief? Anyone Anyone that isn't Jesus trying to lead you somewhere to life. Anyone, anything could be religious leaders, but it could also be the way you want to live your life. Because guess what? You're not the shepherd either. You can't be the sheep and the shepherd. Some of y'all think you're pretty good, though. You're like one of those silly cartoons where the, you know, the sheep's walking on two legs. That's you. You think you, you think you figured it out. I get it. Me too. I think I can be a good shepherd sometimes, right? Uh, to myself. I'm not. I'm not a very good one. So, but then he says, but I've come to give you life and give it to the full. And I used to cling to that promise when my life felt so empty. And yes, I thought about eternity and heaven. I did because I got to a point when I was like, well, what else is going to happen? The only thing else that can happen is I die, right? And when you get to that perspective sometimes and it goes away, you can go, yeah, I can live life differently. But it was also in my mind this promise that, that if I continue to walk and go through all of this, that God has good for me. Then the Apostle Paul says this in Philippians chapter 4. Maybe this will be the 15 minute today. Just looking at Jacob, I don't know why. Philippians chapter 4, <clears throat> something you should understand. <clears throat> I was going to tell you after for dramatic effect, but I'll tell you now. Paul wrote this from prison. He's in a dingy little prison cell, not knowing what's going to happen. Philippians chapter 4, starting at verse 10. Is that what we got? Yeah, perfect. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Now, he had sent out help for some stuff, meaning, hey, can you guys, I don't know, bring me a comb and some water or whatever, you know, like in jail. And he says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly because, and he wrote this to the church in Philippi, the Christians. I rejoice in the Lord greatly because you, once again, you renewed your care for me. You were, in fact, concerned about me but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know how to make do with little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, listen to this, I have learned the secret of being content. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need, I am able to do all all things through him who strengthens me. Now all of a sudden we understand Philippians 4.13 doesn't mean win a football game in the Super Bowl. Jump down to verse 18, same chapter. He says, but I have received everything in full, and I have an abundance. I am fully supplied. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that they pulled up a dump truck and gave him every single thing he's ever wanted? He had like an air conditioner and a heater and a puppy and, a, you know, some, I don't know, whatever else, a video. No, he didn't have every single thing he wanted. you believe me? He might have had like a comb and, I don't know, a stuffed monkey. I don't know, right? He might have had, I don't know what it is, but he didn't have everything. So here we go again. We've got to start thinking of these real people. So is he lying here? He didn't get everything. But I've because I had to think about this. I've received everything in full and I have an abundance. I tend to read that and go, of course he did. He's just lying to try to make us feel better about our life. 
But no, he's in jail. I received everything, and I have an abundance. I'm fully supplied, having received, here we go, from Epaphroditus, what you provided, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And listen, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Not only is he going to, he's abundantly and fully provided for me, but he's going to provide all your needs. Now, pause. You guys go, "Uh uh-huh, but you don't believe that. Me either. Do you think he's going to provide all your needs? Hmm? Do we think that? We want to. And and I know you do. And I joke about offering because that's a, I've learned now. I used to get, I mean, I was raised from, I was raised in the South. They're very suspicious of religious folk in long sleeve shirts and gray pants, right? Because they think that they that you want their money, right? That's what they, you see, I already got, I want your money. Mm, I drive my car, no, right? That's what my family kind of taught me. So like, but what I've learned is the Bible does talk about money, but it talks about it for a reason. You know why? Because isn't it, your, your, your view of money and your reliance on it, it's gonna show how much you believe in God's ability to provide your needs. It does. Now your mind automatically goes, so you're telling me you want you need to give everything? The fact that you're thinking that proves you're just looking for an excuse. So my point is, if we truly live in that kind of a, that, that freedom of like, man, he's going to provide my needs, why do we struggle to give? So he said, I received everything in full. We know he didn't get every single thing he needed. He has an abundance. Did he actually have an abundance in prison? Not in the, not in the way you and I think of abundance. Some of you all haven't had five Starbucks this week, so you're like, I'm not in abundance, right? Don't even pretend. I'll go check your car right now. Because of the, yeah, you got one, right? Listen, (laughs) AJ works there. Anyway, (laughs) Paul wrote this from prison. So guys, listen, this isn't made up. So we've got to think. We've got to think. We've got to try to, I'm taking you along. That's why I always think when people are like, it'd be cool to be Todd's friend. Like two people think that in the whole world. But I always want to be like, no, it isn't because it's how I think. (laughs) This, I'm doing this. I'm walking around doing this. (laughs) Because I'm trying to understand this. Because, again, remember what I've told you guys, and I promise I'll never lie to you. The day that for some reason it all isn't real, I'd tell, I couldn't do this anymore. So i got to figure this out because I don't feel that way. And I do believe that God is good and God doesn't lie and he knows better than me. So what's going on? And I believe he picks his words. That's why I get so annoyed at people like, I'm cool with studying languages, and I think there's some cool little neat tidbits in there, but if, you know, Greek and Hebrew, but if you can't understand it in English, why we read it in English? The Holy Spirit's sovereign. He knew what he was saying, right? So these words, abundant, full, it means something. So here we go. This man had, he's writing this from a prison cell. He'd been beaten. This is in the Bible. Stung by scorpions, bitten by snakes, hated, ostracized, put in prison, Hated by the people that he used to be accepted by his own people and hated by the people that he once persecuted. He don't have a lot of friends and he's doubted by the churches he writes to. How do I know? Because he always has to go, I really am speaking. Jesus talked to me. I promise. I'm not lying. He has to say it over and over again. That means the people that even followed him doubted him. You ever felt lonely? You ever felt misunderstood? No matter what you do, people doubt your heart. What do you want to do in those moments? I know what I want to do. Take my ball and go home. So all of this happened, and yet he says, while in prison, quote, I have learned the secret of being content. This is why, Christians, I'm one of them. I'm I'm hesitant to even go on, because you already are going to go, here he goes, he's going to give me some corny Christianese thing that's not going to be, you know, applicable. But you're going to go, you know, look at Instagram and listen to some hobo you've never met tell you how to live and be happy, right? They're not the word of God, not God. Don't even pretend you don't, right? <clears throat> I've, received, I've learned the secret of being content. I've received everything in full and I have an abundance. I'm fully supplied. How is that possible? Was he lying? I'm serious. This is not, think to yourself, was he lying? We have to ask ourselves these question. Was he lying? Was he being fake? I don't think someone in prison, right? Like, I can get it. There's pastors that are, you know, driving their BMWs. It's easy for them to tell you, like, hey, give me your money. God's going to, I don't drive one, but God's going to give you everything you ever need, and we're going to go. Yeah, okay, buddy. You got to, you know, he's going to take care of your rent this week, and they get in their private jet and fly away. We can understand that. But in this case, he has no reason to lie. 
There's no benefit. Was he, so he says, I don't, think some, I don't think someone, right, when I look at this, he couldn't have been being fake because who's he being fake for? The walls? He didn't know he was going to get out. Did you know that? In fact, there are some say that this was maybe the last letter he wrote. Before what? They, what do you think happened to him? You think they put him, you know, in a car or sent him out for retirement? You think he had it? No, he died. They killed him. And that was, he knew that was possible. So how is this possible? Was he lying? Was he being fake? I don't think someone in prison living the life he lived would lie. There would be no reason to. So here's the question you should be asking. What's the secret? If you're not paying attention, I'm literally telling you there's a secret to having life to the full, and you're like, I don't care. I want to get back to my influencer. Don't smile, Isaiah. That's stupid. <laughs> I'm saying, thinking what he's saying. He tried, he's like, I don't want Todd to think that got to me. <clears throat> he went. <laughs> I don't think someone in prison lived. So what's the secret? I'm telling you, you know what? I'll preach to me. I want to know the secret. What's the secret to being able to be stung by, even if I stub my toe, all of a sudden life doesn't seem full. All right? I'm just being honest. So being stung by scorpions, thrown in jail, that doesn't sound good. It hit me the other day, partially. There's two things. <clears throat> being a dad, you know, my daughter is over two, and I know I bring this up, and a lot of the, a lot of, if your guests that have kind of been coming to the last year, do this to guy that talks about his kid a lot. A couple reasons why. One is I've always loved kids, but I was like, eh, about having my own. Eh. I'm serious, right? It's cool to love your kids and play with them and do all that, but then I don't have to deal with any of the rest of that stuff that comes with it. So I used to be like, I wasn't the guy that was like, I don't want kids. I wasn't that guy. Because I was like, I'm open to it. And I had a pride. I'm just going to be honest. I wanted my name to live on, you know. And then God gave me a daughter. That's funny. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> but the reason I so, so one, I think it's so funny how God works. Just how he's like, hey, you know that thing you, you were all right about? I'm going to use it to just, you were wrong. You were wrong. You thought that was going to be nothing. I'm like, dang. So it's just mind-blowing to me. But the other thing is, is that I used to sit in the crowd and when people talk about their kids, first of all, I don't know how I become the guy that like, if you've been around me enough, I've already probably shown you a video, a picture. I'm sorry. I don't know how I became that guy. I, I, I'm serious. I'm very sorry. I remember like when people would show me, by the way, I, I, it, it's different now. Like you show me your videos and like, you know, I'm in college and I'm like, it's cute. The first one is about two or three. I'm going, how long do you think I got to pay attention to this? You know what I'm talking about, right? I can see that in your eyes when I'm showing you. You know, it's funny, I keep doing it anyway, because it's for me. But he's shown me a lot. He's shown me a ton, man. He still does. This little girl, which is so ironic. So forgive me for another one of those stories that God kind of told me before any of these conversations happened. True story. So I told you a few weeks ago. This is farther back than that. So probably with, sometime within the last month, um, my week is kind of funny. I work. I never think I work a lot because we all work a lot, but I do. But I have a couple days where I watch her, right, because I'm blessed to be able to have some freedom as long as I make it up. And I'll watch her a full day on a Friday and a half a day on another day, which is a little bit more than half a day by the time you get all around. So I'm kind of like, I got a little, like, Mr. Mom stuff going on. I kind of get it. <clears throat> but this day didn't really have anything to do with that, ironically. I try to see her as much as I can. Because of that schedule, I work late. I do. So sometimes because... You know, if I'm serving you guys, you guys have jobs. I got to work in the evenings. That's just what happens a lot of times. So I got home really late. And um, late, close to, to my daughter's bedtime. It was definitely dark. And she has this thing where she'll say, show me. If you, know, if you know Daisy, my daughter, she will, at all, and you've known her for any length of time, you get to know her, she will want to, she'll say, show me, which really means she wants to show you something. So she says, show me, and she'll grab my finger and lead me. Somewhere Now, 99% of the time, it's only one of two places. It's to the snack closet, right, or it's to her room. And I don't know why this has become a thing. She typically wants to get in her closet where there's almost nothing and grab something random that has nothing to do with anything and then take it to the living room and then throw it down and never mess with it again. So she takes me in there, and I can't remember the, the, the specifics, but we go in there, and she's looking for a very specific stuffed animal, okay, and she has a lot of stuffed animals, which 
I think is great. People trying to get rid of them, I'm like, why? Why are we getting rid of these? They, okay, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I can't get rid of them. She's probably fine with it. <laughs> so we're pulling them out. And this is, this is real. We're pulling them out. And I've had a long, and I, the humbling part is I had a long day. I was frustrated. Um, it was one of those days where I was just sad. And I get sad a lot. I'm one of those guys, man. I'm Eeyore, I told you. And I'm, and I'm coming because I do have this idea of what life should be, both for myself and other people, right? And then when it isn't, I don't, I, I struggle with that, right? Because I should be able to make it happen. See the shepherd thing I told you about? So I come in there, and this is real. I'm not trying to be cute. This is a true story. This is for all these talks. So we're pulling all of her stuff out. She pulls all of her stuffed animals out of here. And they're piled around like a movie. And she just flops in the middle of them. And she says, Daddy, lay down. I said, she'll do that. Daddy, lay down. So at the moment, I'm thinking like she's going to jump on me because typically that's what happens. So I get on all fours, and I lay down, and she just sits there. And I'm just laying on... <laughs> Nine o'clock at night, laying on the ground in a little girl's room while she's in the middle of her stuffed animals. And I had this moment where I was like, and this is true. And I get, if you don't have a kid yet, I was you, so you're going to kind of blow this off. But stay with me because you're going to get humbled too. I was like, this is it. This is life. I'm not being corny. I'm not very good at it. I literally sat there and in that moment felt more full of my life than any other time in my entire life. That doesn't mean all the other things aren't good. It doesn't mean all those other things aren't worthy. But in the moment, this is real. And I, I had God say to me, like I could feel it like, is this enough? And if you were to take that away, right, my abundance is gone. No matter how much anything else I have. No matter how much money, no matter how fast this church grows, no matter how much I prove to people who doubt me, you know, how I prove my heart, at the end of the day, if you take this little girl in a room on the floor and stuffed animals and me having the ability to lay with you, take that away, my life isn't to the full anymore. But you could take all the other stuff away. And if I was in the floor with that little girl in that moment, my life is full. Now, you have two ways to respond in this room right now. If you're hurt and bitter... You're already mad. I get it. Been there. Or you can hear that and believe me because, again, there ain't no benefit to me lying to you. And by the way, anybody that knows me, I'm not that guy, <laughs> typically. I've done some incredible things in my life. They didn't feel incredible in the moment. That's the weird part about life. I played sports in front of hundreds of people, maybe a thousand, right? Like at one time, I've won championships. I played with professional athletes. I was on the same field. Any Bears fans? No? Jared Payton played with him. True story. Walter Payton's son. Ask me about him. Funny thing. I've been able to speak and preach in front of, you know, 500 people before at a time. Been able to see God work in miraculous ways in the lives of people despite my sin. I've seen God restore and allow me to do things when the whole world says I'm used up and done. When I've messed up, God's, God's just picked me up out of the ashes. I have had incredible things happen. I've been gotten jobs I shouldn't have gotten. I've helped build, you know, nonprofits. This isn't bragging. I'm just trying to tell you, like, that's, but at the end of the day, in that simple moment in the floor of a little girl's room laying on stuffed animals after a long day, that was the fullest my life had ever been. And the funny thing is it's gone. How many nights did I miss laying on the floor because I was worried about what I didn't have? How many full moments did I miss thinking about and being frustrated with what I don't have and what I'm missing. Thinking that if I just had this, life would be full. And God's saying, I've given you everything you need. The funny thing about life and what's important. Money is important. Especially when we got those bills piled up, right? I'm not going to make you raise your hand to that because we all got them. But bread is more important to a starving man than your green piece of paper. That's why I tease the people that, like, listen, I get sleepy, right? I've even been out here, like, sometimes when some of these guys preach, right, and it's like, man, it is comfortable, and they, they've got very 
soothing voices, right? Not me. But isn't it funny, like, you look at China, the church in China, for instance, for real, the true church in China, and they would look at you and go, I cannot believe you're falling asleep. That's not to shame you guys. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to me too. I can't believe that you're skipping an opportunity to worship God with the saints because I'm sitting here by candlelight with one piece of torn Bible page. That's real. Coffee seems pretty important, yeah? When we're drowsy. I ain't got no problem with coffee. I've become a connoisseur the last few months. And by connoisseur, I just drink black coffee. But anyway, right? Coffee seems pretty important when we're drowsy on a Sunday morning. But to the man wandering through the desert, he would beg for a cup of water. That big project at work seems really, really important. But probably isn't remembered by the CEO on his deathbed. So what's the secret to abundance? There's no list. I mean, there's a list, but it's not going to be up there. What's the secret? You want the secret? I'm only going to give it to you if you actually believe it. You want the secret? Yeah? You'll yell anything else, but it took you 10 minutes to say yes. Anyway, right? What's the secret to, to abundance? What is the secret to abundance? And I mean this. I believe it's in two things, and they're related. Number one, listen to me. Listen. This isn't Christianese because I hate Christianese. This is real. This is the answer I have to cling to, and I'm going to start living my life, too. And you, I shouldn't have told you that because you're going to be able to call me out now. But I'm going to, all right? Because I'm going to try to stop being Eeyore. I'm going to move towards Tigger. That's what I'm moving towards. Yeah. I'm going to get a lot of people calling me out a lot. Listen, number one. Andy's like, yeah, all right. I wonder why. But number one, listen. Perspective. I'm serious. Perspective. Now, it's funny. When we, we, you know, the world, you know, God's truth is in the world, even if they don't know it. He created it. So it's funny. They'll discover things, the world, and they're like, ha, look what we made. And like, God, he's like, you don't think I came up with the concept of perspective? Like, <laughs> I created it. Perspective. What do I mean by that? You've got to start looking at your life for what you really have. I'm serious. Look at what you have. Guys, listen. I'm such a spoiled brat. I am. I tell this story a lot. You can mock me. We can come and ask. Actually, I am inviting you, in case you doubt it, since <clears throat> some people have. Come and ask me about this. It's a true story. I was homeless for a while. I was. About a year. <clears throat> and I hopped around and, you know, it's, there's some fun stuff in there for those of you who are new. Like, I ended up hanging out with a Nazi. That's a true story, a legitimate Nazi. <gasps> Come and ask me. It's a good story. Anyway, when I was homeless, right, I didn't have a car, didn't have a license, wasn't in school, didn't have any friends, you know, I don't even remember what I was wearing. I, mean, I think back of that, I guarantee you I wore the same clothes all the time. I didn't, have any, I didn't have anything. I don't even know where I carry my clothes. People ask some questions I'm not going to remember. By the way, if you're like, what would you carry your clothes? <laughs> I don't know. Here's the thing. I'm sitting here driving the car that I drive, wearing the clothes that I wear, having a place to sleep, being warm, being safe, knowing where I'm at, and I, and I complain. And if you'd go back and tell that guy, and he could have looked at my life now, right, once he accepted he wasn't going to the NFL, now you really had to talk him into that, but once you get there and he looked, I guarantee you'd have been like, if he'd have seen me being down and sad and woo-hoo, he'd go, what is your problem? Trade me. Trade me right now. He would. He would have been very angry at me. And you know what I would say to him? I'm not trading you. <laughs> You're married, and it's not everything you wanted it to be? What if you're alone? Really alone. Your kids? Stressful, irritating, I get it, right? Just take them away then. Why don't I just come and take them? The job annoys you? Lose it tomorrow. See, see how much you appreciate it. Perspective. When you really, here's what will help you understand the things that really matter. I want you to consider, what is if I came and took it from you right now, your life might fall apart? 
I bet it's not your clothes. I bet it's not your best pal. I mean, that might be part of it. It's not going to be your job even most of the time. What's it going to be? Your health? You, you want to trade your health for that? You want to trade your relationships, your family, your friends? Perspective. But you have to actually sit in that. And the other way around too, you know, because I, I, I have to be careful. Sometimes you're doing the right thing and it, and it leads to the loss of some of those. You get it? You know what I mean? But do you really want to go back into that misery? Because right now it hurts. But this is like a Band-Aid. Eventually it's going to heal, right? It's a, a scar. It's going to heal. But do you want to go back into that and live in misery for the next however long your life is? Or do you want to trust that God's got a plan for you? The second thing. Listen to this. John 10, 24 through 29. We got that? Yep, perfect. So the Jews gathered around. When it says Jews, it doesn't mean any random Jew. It just meant the Jewish leaders, religious leaders. So the Jewish leaders gathered around him and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. Listen, friends. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. Listen. And they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. That verse I tell you about. So those who say you can lose your salvation, who's going to pull you out of his hand? My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. You want the second secret, right? You want the main one. You want the thing that matters that you've already forgotten because you've been in this too long? Jesus. Jesus. I want you to go back to the moment you accepted Christ and that feeling and that realization that you're saved. I don't care if you're 10, 40, 80, that moment. I'm talking to the saints, that moment. I know it might seem so far gone and it's buried beneath all your bitterness and your brokenness and your hurts and your experiences, but it's there somewhere. In that moment, in that thing, the reason you were so joyful, your circumstances weren't perfect. You were joyful because you realized what you were in and what you are now. I was condemned, and now I'm not. I was dead, and now I'm alive. And Jesus just told you something that doesn't feel true, but it is. Did you notice he says, you're going to die and then live? He says, no, no, you're never going to perish. Because he sees eternity, not now. You aren't going to die. Yes, I am. No. You're just going to walk through the door into eternity. You are forgiven of your sins. No one can ever put them on you again. No one can say you're not enough. No one can take away what Jesus gave you. You can't sin your way out of his hands. You can't, you can't mess up out of his hands. You can't fall out of his hands. He will never let go of you. And if you let that sink in for a minute, it changes everything. changes everything. I give them eternal life and never perish and no one will snatch them out of their hand. When I sit and think about that, that I'm redeemed, I'm saved, I'm a saint and I'm, a, I'm loved by God and that's not, that's not just talk. And if I'm loved by a holy God who says, ain't nobody taking you out of my hand and the worst thing that could ever happen is that it not be true and I could be pulled out of his hand, fall out of his hand, hand, fall out of grace, fall out of eternity, not be loved by him, that in the day of judgment, everybody keeps going, is it close? It's been close. That'll never happen to you in Christ. He'll never look at you and say, I never knew you. He's gonna say, welcome home. And now let's think, well, Jesus is the answer. Why do I forget? You're not going to like this answer. Because you don't do the things that he told you is going to remind you of who gives you life. Go be with your people, the saints. Worship. Read my word and be reminded of my truth. Saturate it because it's the words of life. It's the words of life. 
But you know why? You don't like that because you want instantaneous. Me too. She's going to come play some music. I know you probably wanted something deeper, but guys, I, I, I want you to, two, just two words today. Two words. Actually, three words. The first, we're going to remind you the second two. Full. Full. Here's the thing I've said many times, and I know, no, I, I think one, I remember one person telling me they've done it, and they had a crazy story. What if you, for one month, fully lived like this is true? Meaning you, you did it, you lived it. Not if you felt like it, not on good days all the time. What does that mean? I don't know what that means for you. For some of you, it means go to church. If it ain't here, go somewhere else. For some of you, it means pick up that dusty old Bible you keep telling yourself every day you're gonna read tomorrow. Well, I don't understand it. That's okay, it understands you. He understands you. What's the worst that could happen? So the question I have for you today, right? Oh, I gotta give you the other two words. Full perspective, Jesus. Perspective. That's the thing I've got to remember. I'm passionate. That's what I say. That makes me feel better about it. So passionate people, were, it can be really good when I'm high, right? And it's hard when I'm low. But do you know we do have control over that? That perspective does enable us to not live down here. I can't control what I feel. It's that old saying. It's come to my mind a bunch lately. I've been saying it to other people because God's been saying it to me. I can't control whether a bird flies over my head, but I control whether it makes a nest in my hair. You ever heard that? You can't, yeah, well, think about it, right? You can't control whether a bird flies over your head, but can you stop it from landing on your head and making a little nest and pooping on your hair? Yeah, you can, right? You can't control that negative thought, that negative feeling, that desire, that thing that's trying to get you to, to want more, desire more, the sadness, the anger, all. You can't control it, but you can Control whether you focus on it and let it sit there. Perspective. Slow down and enjoy the moments that you have. Enjoy the life that you're given. Enjoy the incredible opportunity that God has given you to take breath today. you can't let even that become a feeling because you might walk in here and go, yeah, I feel inspired to do that, but then what happens with tomorrow when you're not inspired? Maturity, emotional, spiritual maturity means are you willing to do it despite how you feel? Is your life a perspective? But the, and then Jesus, let yourself think about what you're saying. Don't, not the church, not your service, all that's beautiful, but the fact that, that he's real, he's alive, he loves you, he's coming back, it's real, you know it, I know it, everybody's seeing signs, that's a fact, whether it's 100 years from now or now, it's closer now than it was yesterday, he's coming back. And even though that's scary, it shouldn't be scary for us, right? In Christ, we win, we know the end. Jesus has redeemed you, saved you, finds you worthy. So is your life full? Is your life full? Trick question. It is. You just don't see it, especially in Christ. Does your life reflect a full life? Do you walk around living and showing people a life that's full? Do you? Or do you show people, yeah, come to church. I'm miserable, but maybe you won't be. Does your life reflect a full life? Should it? Could it? And will it? If you're in the room and you don't know Jesus, I was you, and I told you that, and you've probably been lied to about what the gospel is. I hate to say that, but you probably got your gospel from, you know, some fancy guy in a suit on TV. I don't know. But it's really pretty simple. Starts with bad news. When we all, you know, when, when God created everything perfect, and it was perfect because we were in perfect relationship with Him. And when we were in perfect relationship with God, there is no need or want. There is no, there is no uh, lack of abundance. Right? We were at peace, and there was one rule in the garden. Despite what everyone tells you, you had nothing to do. The apple. That's all, it. Was by the way, never said apple. The fruit. It wasn't. It was not. That's a symbol. Essentially what he said is, I'm God and you're not. Let me be the one to tell you what right and wrong is. See, when you put it that way, let me ask you. I would have never done it. You do it every day. 
every time you don't do what he told you to do, every time you justify not doing what he said to do, every time you justify doing what he said not to do and not doing what he said to do, every time you do that, you're making the same choice. And so what happens is like a branch snapped off a tree, we were separated from the creator. We sinned, we committed a crime, we walked away, and now death entered like a branch off a tree. You can put yourself in water, live a little bit longer, but the reality is you're going to die. You are dying. And so what happens when the creation is separated from the creator? Well, a lot of bad things. Everything that happens, death, disease, murder, rape, wars, all of these things that we know don't seem right is what happens when we're separated from the right, from the right thing, the only good thing. And here's the other thing. What else? Why haven't had that happen to you? Self-doubt, self-hatred, condemnation, shame, fear, anxiety, all of these things come from that. We are infected with a disease, and no matter how good you try to act, right? If you're sick, I take a cough drop, but it doesn't fix what's inside. You can't fix the inside. You can only manage the symptoms, and we don't even do that very well. Because if you did, life would be to the full, wouldn't it? If that was enough, but it's not. And so thousands of years of human existence showed us that. God tried to show us how far away we are, how separate we are from him. Oh, you want to be good enough for me? Here's 10 rules. 10 commandments. We break them every day. Oh, I don't kill anyone. Jesus said the standard is if you hate your brother, you, you've already committed murder in your heart. What does that mean? Essentially what he's saying is if you could get away with it, you'd kill him. You know it. It's a heart that matters. And so here's what the Bible says. The wages, everyone, right, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone. And the wages of sin is death. That means you've earned it. You're going to die. You're going to hell. It's real. Whether you're 10, 50, 100, no matter where you're at, one thing's assured. Without Christ, you're going to die. Eternity's real. Bad news. We can't fix ourselves. Good news. When we couldn't get to God, God came to us. He sent his only son. God made flesh. Jesus Christ existed. Jesus of Nazareth is real. He lived. He, he taught. He healed. He proved he was God through the miracles that have been attested throughout the years. He told us about the kingdom. He told us who God really was. He reminded us of who our father is. He reminded us of how loved we are. And he told us that there's good news. And the good news is there's going to be a way home. But it's got to be through me. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me, the gate. What did Jesus do? Well, remember, the wages of sin are death. You deserve to die. So Jesus of Nazareth, Christ the Messiah, died on the cross, a physical death. It was horrible. It's attested. It's a fact. And then the Father, God turned his back on him. He was truly alone, and none of you really felt that, no matter how much you don't believe the complete absence of God. He experienced hell. He died. Three days later, he rose from the dead to prove he was God and to prove that the offer he gives you is real, which is this. I will take your death. I will take what was your punishment. I will take um, your place. I will take your burden. I will stand in the court of law and take what was meant for you. I will stand in the firing squad. I will take it for you. But you have to reverse the decision you've made your whole life. You've got to walk away from self. The Bible, you've got to believe in me. Trust that I am whom I, who I say I am. Follow me. Follow me. A lot of fans in the world, there's a famous book made that. A lot of people like Jesus when he's talking about love. They don't like him so much when he's talking about follow me. You a fan or a follower, he only, right, the only people saved are those who have put their faith in him and follow him. And the Bible says if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and raised, was raised from the dead, you will be saved. What does that mean? That today you can be assured of paradise. You can be assured of that. And what the promise is, he says, if you come to me with those things, you come to the cross, you pray and say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I need you. Save me. He will do that. He will take it. He will give you the benefits of his perfect spotless life. I just told you in John here, he said, no one will take you from me. He will transform transform you from a sinner to a saint no one can ever ever take that away and if something incredible happens you'll be empowered by the Holy Spirit the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead will be in you and begin to change you not from the outside in but from the inside out it's all real 
Some of you have been carrying burdens for a long time. And I want to talk you into it. I want to make you believe. I want to have the right words, but I don't. All I can tell you is it's real and it's true. And the offer that you have today in this moment, all you are guaranteed is this moment. You're going to have a few minutes here with the lights off, no one looking around, music playing. There's going to be people up here willing to pray for you. And there's a spot for you to pray yourself. If you don't know Jesus, confess with your lips, believe in your heart. You've got to say it and believe it. I was you. There's going to be these people right now. I invite you to come up with them. Tell them you want that. If you can't be 100% sure, if right now you drop dead that you would be with Jesus, then you need to make that assured. Come and let these people pray with you or whoever you're with maybe. Tell them the truth. Oh, they're going to think bad. I mean, who cares? They're not going to think that. And at the end of the day, it's your eternity, not theirs. And if you're in the room and you know you haven't been living life to the full, why don't you take a minute to praise the God of full, the God of abundance, Praise him for the gifts you've given. Change your perspective and commit to living your life differently. Living a life that's full and showing that fullness to others. Whatever you do, don't leave the same as you came in because if you do, you're choosing to.